0: the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. And let us pray. Lord, the only reason we even know what love is is because your word tells us that you are love and that you demonstrated love for us while we were still in our sin Jesus died for us because he loved us lord i'm so glad you didn't wait for us to get ourselves together but you came and you loved us even to the point of death when we weren't together when we weren't seeking you and we're so glad that you chose us to choose you we're so thankful lord that We know what love is because you first loved us. Thank you Lord. And even though we're not having communion this Sunday, we thank you for how communion does remind us in a tangible way of how Jesus went all the way to save us from the penalty of our sins. We thank you for worship songs and hymns that we can sing so that our hearts can be soft before you. Because Lord, you are looking more to our heart, as opposed to what is coming out of our lips. And I pray that today you will find hearts that truly do love you. Hearts that are responding to the love you have for us. Hearts that are changed because of your love. That once we meet Jesus, not only in the past, but even today, we cannot remain the same. For there is no one like you, Jesus. And Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, They don't have that kind of joy and peace in their heart. I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them and that they would say, what must I do to be saved? And we'll tell them, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Thank you for the good news, the gospel that eradicates the bad news and that is sin leading to death Thank you, Jesus, that you came to give us life and life more abundantly. Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit who indwells us, who keeps us, who teaches us, and whose motivation is to bring glory to Jesus. Thank you that in this moment, the Spirit is moving so that we might see Christ. And now as we come to the Holy Word, Holy Spirit, may you continue to do that for us. Teach us about Jesus. Help us to see Jesus, help us to hear Jesus so that we may obey Jesus and glorify Jesus and serve Jesus and make Jesus known. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen, amen. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus is teaching on the subject of prayer. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus is teaching on prayer and he uses two parables to do so. A parable is simply a simple story with a central meaning. That was a parable. It was a simple story with a central meaning. And Jesus, who was a masterful storyteller, would often use parables or illustrations to communicate truths about the kingdom of God. And in Luke chapter 18, verses one through eight, as he's wanting to teach about prayer, he wants his audience to understand that in order to pray, you must be persistent. Because the tendency for all of us is to get weak We're tired in prayer. And so Jesus opens up by saying, let me give you a prayer. Because men should always pray and not faint and not give up. Because the devil doesn't really mind us singing. The devil doesn't mind us preaching. The devil doesn't mind us going out witnessing, but he sure hates it when we pray. So men and women should always pray and not give up because sometimes as Jesus even taught us in the Garden of Gethsemane, the spirit is willing to pray, but the flesh is weak. Oh, man, every time it's time to pray, you get sleepy. There's something on television you want to watch. There's a distraction, but men should always pray and not faint. And So he gives a parable, a simple story with a central meaning, and he talks about a widow, a widow who needed justice, and she went to court, and She kept pleading her case to the magistrate. And the magistrate, the judge, who was not a godly person, eventually gave in to this widow because of her persistence, because she kept coming over and over and over again. So in our prayer lives, may we not pray and then faint. Pray one time and be discouraged because God didn't come through when we want or how we wanted him to. But may we learn from the widow how to be persistent, because our Father knows what we have need of. But then we come to the portion we're gonna focus on today, and that is Jesus is gonna give a parable to teach us about humility when we pray. So when we pray, not only should we have persistence and stamina, but we should also have humility. Now Strong Tower, listen to this. When Jesus tells a parable there is usually an unexpected twist to it. Again, he was a masterful storyteller. The Bible says that no man had ever spoken like Christ. So he was the prince of pulpiteers, if you will. He was the quintessential golden throat. He was an awesome orator. And when he would tell a story, he would draw the listeners in And by the time he got to the end of the parable, there was a twist to it. And Jesus usually highlighted in his parables the overlooked and the outcasts, which was not what his audience would expect. Because even in the first parable about the widow, it opens up by saying that men should pray and not give up. And so Jesus says, let me tell you about a woman who prayed, or a woman who was persistent and didn't give up. And not only was she a woman, which in that culture women were not necessarily esteemed, but she was a widow, implying that she was poor, implying that she would be the one who would experience injustice in court because she was a widow and she was poor. So Jesus highlighted, lifted up, called attention to an outcast in society. And now as we come to this parable, he's also going to call attention to the outcasts so that the listeners then and the listeners now might imitate the overlooked, that we might emulate the outcasts. So Jesus is going to lift up and cause those who are last to be first when he preached. And he would bring people to the conversation who would normally be left on the fringes of society. Jesus says, well, I'm going to bring them right here and I'm going to use them in my teaching. So read with me in Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 9. It says also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. All right, pause for a second. Sometimes as a preacher, we get accused of aiming the word of God. And a lot of times it's not that we're aiming the word of God, it's that the Holy Spirit knows how to take the word and bring conviction, which is a good thing. I've been told that some Sundays it seems like me and someone are in a phone booth together. They're like, Pastor, you, you knew what I was going through this? Pastor, you, had, you knew my mail and you read it. Well, I wasn't aiming. It was the Spirit that was aiming. But I'm here to let you know, sometimes it ain't bad to aim from the pulpit. Jesus was aiming with this one. Because in his audience, according to chapter 17, verse 20, there were Pharisees in the audience. And knowing that there were Pharisees in the audience, Jesus says, I know the traits and the characteristics of Pharisees, and I want to help them out. And being a good doctor, Dr. Toleram Chisel, sometimes you got to give some medicine to the people you're trying to serve, even if it don't taste good and feel good. But the medicine is that it help you get better. And so Jesus says, "I got some sick folk in my congregation, but they don't really know that they are sick. So I got to focus this parable on them because I got some people out here who are trusting in themselves." that they were righteous. That means that they were self-righteous. They weren't trusting in God for his righteousness, they were trusting in themselves for their own righteousness, and that is what the Pharisees were like. And not only did they do that, but according to verse nine, they despised other folks. They looked down on other people, they had contempt on other folk, and these were the religious leaders, if you will. So Jesus said, okay, I I, I got them out here, so let me give them a tailor-made parable just for them. Let me give them a simple story with a central meaning, and I pray that they get it. So it says in verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So let me talk today on the subject of I'd rather be a tax collector than a Pharisee. I'd rather be a tax collector than a Pharisee. Now, in the weeks to come, we're going to do several messages where there is a comparative analysis going on, where we'd rather be anything but a Pharisee. I'd rather be, in weeks to come, a sinful woman than a Pharisee. I'd rather be Lazarus, who was poor and who had sores all over him and couldn't walk, than a Pharisee, I'd rather be a Samaritan, a good Samaritan, than to be a Pharisee or a Levite. And then on Palm Sunday, man, I can't wait for this one. I'd rather be a donkey than a Pharisee. Oh, we're going to have a good time with that one. On Easter Sunday, or resurrection day, I'd rather be a centurion than a Pharisee. Pharisees knew the evidence that Jesus had risen, but because they were so stubborn, they created a lie saying that the disciples stole his body. They'd rather do anything but repent. But the centurion, who watched how Jesus died, said, surely this is the son of God. I'd rather be a centurion than a Pharisee. And so hang with me for the next couple of weeks because it's going to get personal up in here because the last thing we think we are is a Pharisee. But because we're fallen, we tend to have these uh, traces of self-righteousness in our DNA where we don't wanna trust Jesus. We don't wanna believe the gospel fully. Somewhere we gotta do something to earn favor. Somewhere it's about me and it's not about God. So we're gonna break down what a Pharisee is so that we may know how to repent and ask the Lord to show us how to be these outcasts, these humble people who were overlooked, the least of these. Well, as I mentioned, his audience, there were Pharisees there, but not only that, according to Luke chapter 17, verse 22, there were disciples there. And so he had a mixed audience, just like we have a mixed audience today. We have Pharisees in the audience and we have disciples in the audience. Do not turn to your neighbor and ask your neighbor, which are you? Do not do that today. But Jesus was not afraid to aim the word of God. Luke chapter 18 verse 10 says, two men went up to the temple to pray. Here's the comparison. One was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector. What was a Pharisee? Well, to put it simply, a Pharisee was a religious leader who was known for being self-righteous and haughty. They came about during the intertestamental period, and that's the time between Malachi and Matthew. 400 years of silence, and so there were various groups that had risen up in uh, Israel, and one of those groups happened to be the Sanhedrin, and within the Sanhedrin you had the uh, Sadducees and the Pharisees. And these were, the, again, the so-called leaders of the day. Because when the first temple was destroyed uh, and the Jews were dispersed, they would go around building synagogues until the second temple was rebuilt, which is called Herod's temple, which is when Jesus walked the earth. But there were synagogues all over the then known world. And there were Jewish leaders who would lead those synagogues and be the leaders of the community. And so those were your Pharisees, but they were self-righteous and haughty. And Jesus often called them hypocrites. Now, you're not gonna win a lot of friends and influence people by calling them hypocrites to their face. But once again, sometimes the truth hurts and the truth needs to be told. And some of the Pharisees like Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, they repented when they heard the good words of Jesus. But other Pharisees, when they heard the word, rather than repent, their hearts got harder and they rebelled against Christ and ultimately set him up to be crucified. But, oh, it was the plan of God. But Jesus called them hypocrites, play actors. That's what a Pharisee happened to be. Usually it is not used in a good way in Scripture. It's usually something that is seen as negative, uh, derogatory. And so when we talk about Pharisees, it's usually in a negative context. But then what was a tax collector? Well, a tax collector was a Jewish man who worked for the Roman government to collect taxes. So although the Jews were in Palestine, they were under the tutelage of the Romans because the world's power had passed from the Babylonians to the Medo-Persians to the Greeks and now to the Romans, So the Romans have authority, and they allow the Jews to live in Palestine. And what they would do, Big Brother would get tax money from the Jews. And in order to get the tax money, they would hire Jewish people and send them out to collect money from the Jewish people. But the Jewish people didn't like the tax collectors because they saw them first as traitors, because they're working for the man. How dare you work for the man, you know? And not only are you a traitor, you're a thief, because when you come and collect taxes from us, we know that you're getting your salary out of what you're collecting, but we don't know how much you're skimming off the top. We know you have a quota to give back to Rome, but you're also getting yours out of what you're demanding of us. We cannot resist what you're saying, because to resist you is to resist the government. We don't want that fight. So the tax collectors would pad their pockets when they went out to collect taxes from the people. So they were considered to be the low rung of society. They were thieves, they were traitors, and Jesus said, this is going to be the hero of the story today, a thief, a traitor, a tax collector. Some versions called them publicans, not republicans, but publicans. That was a little joke, loosen up, y'all be all right. And what he's doing in this story is going to be radical. If I'm a Pharisee and I'm sitting front row listening to him talk, he's going to tell this story about two people that go into the temple, a holy place. And then he ends the story by saying that the sinner, the scoundrel, went home justified and not the religious person. Oh, my jaws would be tight after that message unless I chose to repent and say, Lord, make me like the tax collector. Oh my, oh, this is, uh, I mean, to get it in your mind, it's like, think of one of the greatest mega church pastors you can today, you know, to represent the Pharisee, not to call a brother a Pharisee, but I want y'all to get this. Imagine T.D. Jakes as the Pharisee and Flavor Flav as the tax collector. And Jesus is like, y'all need to imitate Flavor Flav up in here, not Bishop TDJs. I mean, this stuff is radical. So let me point out quickly three flaws of being an unrepentant Pharisee. Three flaws of being an unrepentant Pharisee. Number one, there's a preoccupation with self. When we're acting like Pharisees, we're preoccupied with self. The Bible says in verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. He prayed with himself, meaning that he was not there to pray with God, to talk to God, because prayer is a two-way street. Prayer is talking and listening. Prayer, when we talk to God, we're trying to break through to him. But when God talks to us, he breaks through to us. So it's a relationship. It's not one-sided. And so when he goes into the temple, rather than having this dialogue with the Lord who allows him to come into the temple, to come into his presence, he's up in there having a conversation with himself. He's praying with himself, meaning that he likes to hear himself talk and he likes to hear himself answer back. He's a Pharisee. And Jesus says the reason why he's in there doing this is because he must think that he's in his house rather than in God's house. Because if he was in God's house, he would be more respectful of the God of the house. But because he doesn't respect the God of the house, he thinks he's on the throne in the house. So he's praying with himself because he sees himself as the standard. He sees himself as the center of attention, as the focus, even as God. He sees himself as God. He doesn't need God. He is God. But if you called him out on it, he would say, oh, no, I love God. But Jesus said he was praying with himself. Pharisees use prayer to be impressive. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus said, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. So rather than coming to church to see God, He's coming to church so that people can see him. Matthew 23, 14, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense, make long prayers. You know, some of the best prayers in the Bible are short prayers. (laughs) Lord, remember me. You'll be with me today in paradise. Peter sinking in the water. Help! Jesus got him. (laughs) But them long prayers, where we want to impress folk, we want to know him from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And we're going to call him by name in each book. And and after a while, you're in that kind of prayer meeting, and you just crack one of your eyes open and say, Are you finished yet? They want to be impressive. And Jesus said, when folk do that, they got their own reward. They're getting it here. This is why the disciples asked Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Because we saw these dudes, the religious leaders doing it. And the way they're doing it, it seemed like their prayers are hitting the ceiling and ricocheting back down. Lord, would you teach us how to pray? And so Jesus said, okay, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven. How would be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? In other words, this prayer is not about you. This prayer is about him acknowledging the lordship and the awesomeness of God. So when you pray, you get your attention off of yourself. So you start the prayer focusing on God and you end the prayer focusing on God when he talks about your kingdom come, your will be done. You, you, you end the prayer talking about God. And in between, you, you say, Lord, would you help me with my daily bread? But not only that, would you allow me to forgive people because I've been forgiven. And Lord, deliver me from temptation. For thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power and the glory. The prayer not to be focused on self. So Jesus said, if you really want to know how to pray, you got to focus on the Lord. Now watch this strong tower. The word I appears five times in two verses. I thank you. I am not like other people. I fast. I give tithes and I possess five eyes. So again, it was about him In the presence of God and not about God in the presence of God. Now, the last time I read five eyes in two verses was way back in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 13 through 14, when Lucifer fell from heaven. And he kept talking about what he was going to do. I will exalt my throne. I will do this. I will do And God says, okay, I have a will too. And I will that you be cast out of heaven. Because it ain't about you. How are you going to be up in heaven? You got a little bit of shine on you because God gave you that shine. But you think you're going to outshine the one who gave you the shine? You must have lost your mind. And yes, he did because God will not share his glory with anyone. And Satan was cast out. Herod, the Bible says, he was sitting on his throne one day and he talked, he was speaking, and the people said, oh, he sounds like a god. And God was like, wait a minute now, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't share my glory with anyone. I'm going to have to have some... Worms eat his stomach out because no, 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 no. And he died. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar thought he was the man because he had this great, you know, kingdom called Babylon. And one day he's just looking out at how great he is. Not how great thou art, but how great I am. And God says, okay, let me show you how great you are. I'm going to have you eating grass like a beast for seven years till you come to your senses. Because if we don't humble ourselves, God has a way of humbling us. So I'd rather do it myself than rather than getting it done to me. So the Pharisee has this preoccupation with self, and uh, it reminds me of a story of this man who received a a, a new promotion. Uh, Jerry, he was in the the, the Air Force, and he had become a higher-ranking officer. And so um, they gave him a new office and everything. And so not only did they give him the new stuff on his coat, but they gave him a new office. So he's in the new office, and he's, you know, I'm the man. I've arrived. Uh, I think he became a colonel. And so uh, there was a young private outside the door, knocking on the door. Sir, may I come in? And so the colonel wanted to act like he was all that. He said, "Um, let me pick up the phone and act like I'm talking to the president of the United States. Yes, Mr. President. Yes, sir, Mr. President. We'll take care of that, Mr. President. Boy knocks on the door private knocks on the door Uh, uh, sir may I come in and he says uh, come on in make it quick I'm on a very important phone call yes Mr. President yes Mr. President son make it quick Uh, matter of fact what is it that you need son the private looks back at the colonel and said I'm here to connect the phone Uh, uh, you're in a new office new phone so God will humble you trying to act like you all that you ain't all that But secondly, this Pharisee was judgmental of others. He's like, "Uh, I'm not like other men, and I got to thank you for that. In other words, God, I think you're pious just like me. I got to thank you that I'm not like other people. I think that you're like this way, God, that that you bless pious people. No, that's one of the things you abhor, proud look. So one proof that he never looked at God was that he never saw himself as being broken. So when you're judgmental of others, that means you're not really judging yourself. And the best way to judge yourself is to look at God. Because when we see God, we see ourselves, which is why when Isaiah saw the Lord, he said, woe is me, I'm undone. But this guy gets up in the temple and he's like, I'm glad I'm not like other people. I'm judgmental of them because I'm not even allowing you to judge my heart. So he's looking down on other people, which means that he's not even truly looking to God because the Holy Spirit will convict you if you look down on other people too long. And so he's like, I- I'm glad I'm not like this extortioner or, or I'm not an extortioner. I'm glad I'm not unjust. I'm glad I'm not an adulterer. Oh, really? You- you're glad you're not those things. But, but that's why when Jesus came, he said, now, here's what the law says. But Let's go a little bit deeper into the spirit of the law. You've heard it said not to murder. That's the law. But I'm here to tell you, if you hate someone, you've already committed murder. So now you're guilty. And if you break one point of the law, you're guilty of having broken all of the law. And fellas, uh, let's talk about the ladies, okay? You have not physically committed adultery. Good for you. Mm-hmm. But. If you look at a woman and lust after her in your heart, you've already committed adultery. No wonder they wanted to get rid of Jesus. He came and messed their fun up because they thought they were doing good living by their standard. See, when I measure myself by you, I'm always going to come out higher than you because I create the standard. But if I measure myself by God, we all fall short. That's why you knew he wasn't looking at God in that place. He was looking at himself. So I heard it said, don't look down on other people because they sin differently than you. You may not struggle with this, but guess what? You do have something you struggle with. That's why we all have to be humble, which there's no way to walk with God unless we're going to do so humbly. But this man was also performance driven because he says in Luke chapter 18, verse 12, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. So he found his worth in his works. Religious people do that because they have to earn their salvation. They want to keep telling you about the stuff that they do. But when you're saved by grace through faith, you're talking about what Jesus did and not about all the stuff you've done to help the homeless and all the stuff you've done to help little ladies cross the street with their groceries. You got to keep talking about that stuff because you got to keep earning your worth through your works. But when you're saved by grace through the work of Jesus, you're giving him all the glory. But religion always says, look at me. But faith always says, look at God. So that's why we got to repent of religiosity. Anything that says, look at me, we got to look at Jesus. Because I wouldn't even be here if it weren't for Jesus. I'm clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. So may I not get self-righteous in the imputed righteousness that God has given me. It ain't about me. Never has been, never will be. It's about Jesus Christ. And so we see that this man was performance-driven. He said, I fast twice a week. Now, for a Jew in that day, you were only required to fast once a year, according to the Day of Atonement. But this dude says, look, I fast twice a week up in here. Forget that once a year. That's not enough commitment. I'm going to show my commitment, and I may even disfigure my face while I'm fasting. I may not even wash my face or put any oil on my hair. Jerry curl. I may not even do any of that. Take care of myself. I, I want everybody to see I'm fasting. Oh, he must be spiritual. Jesus said, but when you fast, man, wash your face, put some oil in your hair. Don't let folk know you're fasting. It ain't about you. It's about God. So this guy not only fasted, he said, I tithe. And according to Jesus, he said, let me tell y'all Pharisees about something. Matthew 23, verse 23. Because again, God ain't after the money. He's always after our hearts. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, like justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. In other words, they were. Giving God the money and even tithing off of spices. So if they got some salt and pepper from somebody down the marketplace, they're going to cut a tenth off of the salt and pepper and bring it to the house of the Lord. So they were that meticulous because they wanted to be right. But yet they neglecting justice in mercy they see widows and orphans and folk getting taken advantage of they're even taking advantage of their own parents Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 5 and so so, so these folk they have their own standard of righteousness which says look at me this man talked about what he didn't do he says I'm so glad I'm not like those people and then he talked about what he did do, I fast and I talk. he talked about what he didn't do and he talked about what he did do. It was all about doing. It was all about works. And when religious people talk at length about what they don't do and what they do do, keep in mind that it's all doo-doo. <laughs> you didn't hear what I just said. If all you talk about is what you don't do and what you do do. Paul comes along in Philippians chapter three and says, I just want to let you know, uh, it's all doo do." Anything that brings attention to yourself is doo-doo, filthy rags, dung. Bring attention to Jesus. The Pharisee went home anesthetized. In other words, he was without consciousness. Because when somebody gives you anesthesia, they want you to lose consciousness. So the Pharisee did not go home justified. He went home anesthetized without conscious or awareness of his own depravity. He was preoccupied with self, preoccupied with being judgmental of others, and he was performance driven. But finally, there's an advantage to being a repentant sinner and tax collector. Jesus, bring it home for us. Well, tell me about this sinner, this tax collector. Well, he was preoccupied with God. Look at verse 13. And the tax collector, standing afar off. Would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You see, the tax collector went into God's house to see God. He didn't go in; He wasn't playing around. He says, I got to go and meet with God. I'm not here to meet with myself or even to meet with other people. He was focused on God and not on who was around him. He did not care what others thought about him. Because as you look at this, his humility is apparent. He stood afar off. Afar off may mean he was afar off from the altar or he was afar off from the Pharisee because he wanted to be by himself, but it also speaks of he stood afar off from God. Oh God, he, he was so humble. He stood afar off from God. But not only that, the Bible says his head was down. He had his head down as a sign of respect and even remorse over his own sin. And not only that, the Bible says he beat his breast. And in the Greek language, it means that he beat his breast repetitively, meaning that he was grieved over sin. He was sorrowful and God was looking at his heart and he was beating his heart. And when he spoke to God, no one had to convince him he was a sinner. He knew that he was was a sinner. So he came into the house preoccupied with God and not preoccupied with himself and he showed up in his humble posture. But then he was also judgmental of himself because he said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Literally, it means the sinner. I am the sinner up in here. In other words, I'm the worst person that I know. And like the apostle Paul who would come along, he would say in 1 Timothy 1, verse 15, This is a true statement and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. That's all of our testimony. At least it should be that I am the worst sinner that I know, but God still loves me. You see, a spiritual man or woman is someone who judges all things, starting with his or her own shortcomings. It's like um, when Jesus talked about having a log in your eye. A spiritual person like this tax collector is going to judge himself. He doesn't have time to look around at other people, which if you're in the house of God, worshiping God, Pharisee, why are you even looking at this tax collector over here? Shouldn't you be looking at God? So when we come into the house of the Lord, we shouldn't be preoccupied with who's here, who isn't here, what he got on, what she got on. It should be, Lord, have mercy on me. And Lord, while we're in your presence, would you help me with my own junk? Because it could be easy to say, who she thinks she is? I saw her out last night with somebody. That wasn't her husband that she was out. Who does he think he is? He know he got that car because he stole from the job. And we just judge. But Jesus says, let me help you all out. Everybody got something in their eye everybody, 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 everybody got an impediment in their eye. But the tendency of a hypocrite is to ignore the log that is in their eye. To focus on the speck that's in somebody else's eye. Now if you notice, the log is huge here. You can see that even in the balcony. But the speck is like dust. You you, you can barely see that. So Jesus says, now everybody got something in their eye. Now technically, you all have a log in your eye, and your brother or sister has a speck in his or her eye. But we tend to think that our brother or sister has a log in their eye, and if we got anything in our eye, it's a speck. Jesus said, no, it ain't like that. You and I have this in our eye, so we put this right here. Log impedes my vision. My neighbor has the speck. Now, if my neighbor turns it around and does the same thing and puts the log in his or her eye and then sees the speck in mine, but the reality is we both got logs in our eyes versus trying to minimize my sin over my neighbor's sin. No, Jesus said, you got a log in yours. So he says, first, Deal with what's in your eye. Your hypocrisy, your sin, your hardness of heart, whatever the issue is, deal with it first so that you can see clearly and even humbly to help your neighbor with the speck that is in their eye. But most of us as Christians don't know how to do that. When we look at people, this is how we look at them you got that log, you got that log, you got that log. I got a speck. But the tax collector says, Lord, I am the sinner. He didn't say, look at that Pharisee calling me out and pointing at me, trying to make me feel bad. He was so focused on the Lord that he saw his sin. And because of that, he got mercy, which means he was mercy dependent. Mercy is God withholding the judgment from me that I rightfully deserve. Mercy is God withholding from me the judgment that I rightfully deserve. So when the Pharisee left the church, he left anesthetized. But the sinner went home justified. He was preoccupied with God. He was judgmental of himself. And he was dependent upon mercy. So as we close today in prayer, I just want to ask you, how do you want to go home today? As Jesus said, the tax collector went home justified because whoever will exalt himself will be humbled. But whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The tax collector humbled himself and the Lord exalted him with justification. That is, God gave him righteousness. God said, legally, you are right with me because of your broken heart and faith in me. But the Pharisee, the religious guy, he exalted himself and the Lord humbled him. And yeah, he went home, but he didn't go home justified. So Jesus wraps that story up and says, how do you want to go home? Which one Do you want to be? You see, there are Pharisees in this audience today. And there's a Pharisee preaching. I'm a recovering Pharisee. And one of the hardest things for me to see is to see myself as a Pharisee. But here's the thing. If I don't see myself as a Pharisee, I won't see myself as a sinner. But oh, that's somebody else that's a Pharisee. So if we're busy pointing fingers and not pointing thumbs, the chances are that we may be more Pharisaical than we think we are. But if I could say, Lord, it's me, I'm wrong. I'm sorry for judging other people more than I judge myself. I'm sorry, Lord God, for having logs in my eyes, but not admitting it. I'm sorry, Lord Jesus, for coming to church thinking it's about me, but it's about you. You see, when babies are born, the best way for them to come into the world is to come in with their heads down. If they come in with their heads up, that's going to be a tough delivery, and they're going to come feet first. So the doctor will do whatever he or she can to try to turn the baby because the delivery is easier when the head is down. When the head is up, oh, that's a tough delivery. But when the head is down, it's better for the baby to come into the world. It's easier for the baby to come in with the head down. Oh, my brothers and sisters, when we come into God's house, we shouldn't come in with our heads up in pride. We ought to come in with our heads down in humility. And any way I lift my head up, it's only because of his mercy and his grace, not because of my self-righteousness. So when you come into church, come in with your head down. When you go home today, don't walk into your house like you're God's gift to the house. God is God's gift to your house. You walk in with your head down, humble. When you go to work, don't walk in there with your head up. Walk in humble with your head down, It's not only better for you, but it's better for us when we can come in like that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word. Teach us, Lord, how to be like this tax collector. Help us to look at our own stuff. Help us to see our own junk. But above all, help us to depend on your mercy. Thank you for your mercy that you don't give us what we deserve, you give us grace. Thank you for this lesson today. Because, yes, Lord, I'd rather be that tax collector than be that Pharisee. In Jesus' name, amen.